0: Mark, chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. And he said to them, this is Jesus, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So, in this chapter, chapter 4, Mark is actually uh, recording the parable that Jesus is teaching on the sower and the soil. And if you're familiar with it, he's talking about sowing seeds and how different soil receives those seeds. And when he talks about the seeds there, he's talking about the gospel. So, how different people receive or don't receive the gospel. And as a way of further explaining or teaching this principle, Jesus tells this very, very short parable. And I guess it's right to call it a parable. He actually asks the question. It comes in the form of a question. And I would even say it's, a, it's an absurd question. It's so absurd there is no debate about the answer to it. Would you light a lamp and then take that lit lamp and, and then hide it? That doesn't make sense. Would you take a lit lamp and then put it under your bed, I'm thinking most of these people would have slept on straw beds, don't think that's a good idea. I know the obvious answer is you take lamps, any source of light, and you put it up where that light can have the greatest effect. This coming week, our students will return to school. Our educators have already been at work for a week preparing uh, for the students to return this schoolhouse is one of those unique places where there is an opportunity like no other place really where a cross-section, a true cross-section of our community exists. You know, the reality is for most of us after we leave school, our lives get very, very segregated, segmented. For some of you, you you have to actually intentionally put yourself in places where there are lost people and people who need to hear the gospel. Now, many of you have jobs that put you in those, in those places of context, but, but I, I know for sure that our students, our teachers, those who are working in the, in the education world, um, they're absolutely rubbing shoulders when they go to the schoolhouse with every demographic, every economic strata, every type of person that our community has. So with that in mind and thinking about that, I think there's, there's a unique opportunity there to be the light of the gospel in our community. But don't hear me say it's just for our students and educators, dear friends. I think for those of us who have been filled with the light of Christ, by definition, wherever we go, we take that light and shine it in dark places. And so listen, today's message is very simple. I mean, the whole message is this. Be filled with the light of Christ. Shine that light wherever you go. And I just want to be a cheerleader this morning for us to do that very thing. So Jesus, using the example of the lamp, I I want us to see two fundamental truths about following Christ. By the way, these are not things that you might do. These are not things that you should do. I believe these are things that are true if you are a follower of Christ. That when you believe in faith on Jesus for salvation, you are forever changed. I'm going to use the word transformed this morning. You are irreversibly transformed. And, and, and like the humble oil lamp demonstrates that it's these true principles, I think in our own lives we demonstrate these principles that we are tra- transformed in our nature and that we are transformed in our obligations. So let's just. Walk through them together. Number one, transformed in our nature. I mean, this is simple stuff. A lit lamp, it's transformed in its nature in that it first and foremost produces light. In 1879, Edison filed his patent for the electric light bulb. Now, apparently, he's a pretty smart guy, Um, and he wasn't the only one working on a light bulb. Several others were, too, but he got there first. He gets credited for it, and I'm pretty sure that when he filed for that patent, he understood that the light bulb was going to change the world, but I also suspect that he had no clue how much his light bulb was going to change the world. I I was reading, it's been a long time ago, but I was reading a book on odd laws that remained on the books but were no longer enforced, and there was a law in some town in New England that required any automobile driving through the town had to have someone walking in front of it with a lantern so as to not run over anybody. And most of us right now, probably all of us, you don't think two things about getting in your car Driving 70 plus miles an hour in the dead of night, the two headlights on the front of your car. It's changed how we how we travel. There was a day that life of human work and society was was, was controlled by the rising of the sun and the setting of the same. And so work and commerce and family life began when the sun came up. And when the sun went down, we went to bed and, and the world kind of came to a still. And, and with the changing of the, the seasons, you worked longer and later during the summer and, and went to bed earlier during the winter. But today, I mean, pre-COVID's changed some things, but pre-COVID, if you wanted to go to Walmart at 1 a.m. in the morning... God bless you, you can get up and go to Walmart at 1 a.m. in the morning. That's an interesting place at 1 a.m. in the morning, by the way. Probably ought to experience it once in your life. Businesses stay open 24 hours a day. You can turn on the lights in your house. Light for us is so ubiquitous and common. Some of you just leave the lights on all the time in, in different places of your house. The hearers of Jesus, when he asked this question, lived in a world that fell silent with the setting of the sun. At night, their homes would be lit with a oil lamp. Now, when I think of the lamp, this is what's running through my mind's eye, the, the genie lamp. You know what I'm talking about? The genie lamp with a handle on one end and a spout on the other end supposed to rub it. That's the, and if you want to have that in your mind's eye, that's okay. That's close enough. But probably more more accurate to what Jesus was thinking about is if you think about a bowl, just a regular bowl, and then they would take one end and when they were making the pottery and they would pinch it together so that it would hold just uh, lightly a, a wick that they could float in the, in the bowl. So it was an open bowl with a pinched end and they would light that and that would be an oil lamp and they would be able to light their homes with that. Now, this may sound simple, but let's walk through it together. Without oil, with, without a wick, or without a flame, the oil lamp is really just a weird-looking bowl. I mean, if you had one today, if your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy had one and passed it down to you, it might be something interesting to put out some little candies in it, just a bowl. Some could be decorative. Others could be nondescript, but without a wick, without oil, without a flame, it really has no purpose. It's just an object, something to put in a drawer, under a bed, under a bushel, if you will. But listen carefully. When you put oil in the bowl and a wick and you light that wick, when that oil lamp is lit, its nature is transformed. From a purposeless object to a source of light. In fact, this is such an obvious truth that, is, that I think we read past it too quickly. But, but, but one I think we must not ignore. When you have received the light of God's truth, you have been transformed by the gospel. And you have become, by definition, a producer of light. Your wick has been lit by the power of God. Now, an oil oil lamp without oil can just be an object in a drawer, but once it's lit, its nature has been transformed. It's no longer just an object, now it produces light. A lit oil lamp cannot withhold its light. When you receive the gospel of Jesus, when you've been filled with the light of Christ, you cannot withhold that light. When a flame is applied, its nature is transformed to be forever and ever a light-producing instrument. Dear friends, listen to me. This is not a question of desire. This is not a question of opinion. This is a question of nature. When you receive the gospel of Jesus, you are transformed to be a producer of light. Your nature has been transformed. And there's something about being a producer of light that comes with this, and that you also become one who exposes truth. Now, I don't see this as a negative. I think see this as a positive. In fact, Jesus references this in, right after the question. So look in verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. As a lamp produces light, by definition, it exposes truth. We don't find ourselves in situations like this very often on purpose, but just imagine with me that we all gathered here today in a room completely devoid of light. I mean, completely dark, no windows, no lights, nothing. Imagine with me, we're sitting in this dark room and you're sitting in your pew right where you are and I'm speaking to you. Now, in that context, I, might, I could tell you what's in the room. I could tell you there's a, there's a pulpit right up here in the front and I could describe what it looks like. I could talk about the piano and, and other things in the room. I could tell you about people in the room. Over here sits Judy, sweet, nice lady. She'll she'll be nice to you if you'll talk to her. But you'll just have to take my word on that, won't you? Because if it's completely dark in here, you don't really know if I'm telling the truth. You're dependent completely upon my, my explanation. And the only thing you really can do is touch and feel what's right around you and make a judgment call on what those things are. However, if someone were to come in here while we're all sitting in the dark and flip the lights on, Instantly, what is true about this room becomes apparent to you. You don't need me to describe the pulpit to you any longer. You can see it. You don't need to see where people are sitting. You can find them because the, the truth of what exists in the room is made apparent when light shines on them. The, the humble act of the oil lamp being lit and, exp- and, and, and lighting and sharing its light does what Jesus says here, that it reveals what is. It testifies to the truth. Dear friends, when the light of the gospel enters our heart, God reveals what is true about our sin, about our need for redemption, about the goodness of God's grace, about the glory of Christ on the cross, about the hope of salvation. Christians who have been transformed in nature become the light bearers of God's truth, and by nature, they expose truth. Now, sometimes this will be well-received. When God's truth leads to salvation, it will be well-received. Sometimes it won't be so well-received. When God's truth confronts sin and wickedness, it will not be well-received. The light of a lamp cannot be selectively applied. Do you hear me? The light of a lamp cannot be selectively applied. You cannot choose what to expose and what not to expose. If you're the lamp, you simply produce the light and expose the truth. By nature, it produces light that exposes truth. And dear friends, that's what you and I are to be, transformed in our very nature, to be light producers that expose the truth. Now, I think there's a second thing here. Now, I'm using a word that I struggled with all week because, I don't know, but I kept coming back to it, and I think it's the right word to use. When we have been transformed in our nature to become light producers, truth exposers, I think it transforms our obligations. You're obligated to do some things once you become a light producer, transformed in nature, and you're transformed in your obligations. And I think there are at least three obligations of every lamp and three obligations of everyone who's been filled with the light of Christ. The first is this. Now, this may seem awful simple, but but follow with me here. I think you have an obligation to share the light. This might seem to be so obvious that it doesn't need to be said, but this obvious truth is, I think, the very point of the parable. So Jesus says, if you light a lamp, it's ridiculous. In fact, that's, that, when you read the, the question, when you read the passage, read into it what I think Jesus is communicating. It's a ridiculous idea. You would not light a lamp and stick it under a bushel basket. Some of y'all don't know what a bushel basket is. Ask your grandparents. Amen? They know. But for, for, for explanation, shape, shape, just think about a, a big basket. Put it, you, you wouldn't do that. It's ridiculous. Uh, you, you wouldn't light a lamp and hide it under your bed. For a modern user, you would not turn on the light f- flashlight of your iPhone and then stick it in your pocket. That's ridiculous. Or stick it in your purse. No, when you light a lamp, it's obligated. There is a sense of obligation that you put it, in, 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 the, in, in the passage, Jesus says, upon a stand where it can be well see, received, where the, the light rays can go the farthest." The original hearers of this question would have recognized the absurdity of these proposals, of putting it under a basket or putting it under a bed. There's no need to explain it because no one would do something so foolish a basic obligation of any light is to shine and shining its light as far as the rays of light can physically travel. Now we instinctively recognize this anytime we, we have access to a source of light in a dark place. If you have access to the light, to a light in a dark place, you instinctively feel like you need to share that light with somebody. You ever been somewhere and somebody can't see or they're stuck and you have light? I mean, it's not just being polite. There's a sense of obligation. Let me, let me get the lights for you. Let me show you the way. I, it doesn't really apply to the passage, but it just is running through my mind. as one of those memories. I, my parents and, and I, when I was a kid, uh, we took a, a family vacation up to North Georgia, and we were doing one of these nighttime hikes up to a, a waterfall. And my mother is horribly afraid of rodents. Like I am with snakes, she's horribly afraid of rodents. I was a little boy, and I had the flashlight. And what do little boys do with a flashlight? They shine it everywhere but on the road, right? Because I was fascinated with everything other than where we were going. And there were some rodents that night darting across the path. And my mama told me once, she told me a thousand times, please, baby, put that thing down on the ground. I'd shine it here and shine like. I didn't understand I had an obligation that night. should have shined that light on the path when you have the light you have a basic obligation to shine that light a lamp has an obligation to shine and a lamp has its purpose and meaning in shining a lamp exists to shine light and i think likewise christians a christian who is filled with the light of christ is obligated to shine that light not to hide it not to put it where it cannot be seen to intentionally shine your light as far as Possible. In fact, Jesus finishes verses 20, verse 21 with an obvious answer of what should be done with the lamp. Put it on a stand. High and elevated so that it can shine as far as possible. So that its rays can be seen by as many as possible. Now, I don't want to be too harsh here, but I want to absolutely, unequivocally reject a lie that is present amongst the church. And that is, well, I can have faith, but it's a personal, private thing. The theological response to that is hogwash. Do you hear me? Somebody say amen to that. You don't find that principle anywhere in Scripture. The principle you do find, you're filled with the light of Christ, shine the light of Christ. You've been transformed by Jesus, declare that transformation by Jesus. The light of Christ shining into a dark world has nothing to do with secret, private faith. It has everything to do with putting that ray up as high as you can that those rays can go as far as they can. Dear believer, if you are filled with the light of Christ by definition, you are obligated to shine that light as far as you can, not under a bushel basket, not under a bed, but up high on a pedestal. If you burn with the light of Christ, it is your obligation to share the flame of the gospel with others. I, I think there's, there's a second thing here, and I'm just going to say it out loud. It's, this is not explicit in the passage, but I, but I, but, but I do think it, it, is an, it is not an inappropriate stretch to say, and that is if you have the flame, if you have the light, there's an obligation to share the flame. One of my favorite services all year long that we do is our Christmas Eve service. If you haven't done that, you need to do that this year with us, If the Lord, tarries. At the end of that service every year, um, I have a candle. Our deacons all have candles. All the people who come have candles. And, and um, I, I usually read from the Gospel of John about the light of Christ. And then I'll light my little bitty candle, which does not illuminate the fullness of the room. And I take my little flame and I light our deacon's candles and then they go down the aisles and they light the ends of the people at the end of the aisles. And then they share that flame down the aisles until this entire room is lit with little bitty candles and the, and the entirety of the darkness of the room is pushed back. We illuminate the room with all of our individual candles. It's a beautiful testimony, both to the light of Christ pushing back against the darkness and that dynamic of one flame lighting another that lights another that lights another that lights another. another. It is a natural thing to light additional lamps and candles from the one already burning. It is a natural thing to light one lamp, then use it to light all the others in the home. And with each additional lamp, the darkness is dispelled all the more. Friends, if you burn with the light of Christ, I believe it is your obligation to share that flame of the gospel with others. Light them up too. And the one third obligation, and that is lights are intended to go into dark places. Shine into the darkness. The most obvious and simple obligation is to shine into dark places. Now you may go, of course, but but listen to me because I think we missed this one. You and I live in a world where we think very little of turning on the lights because the cost of electricity costs us so little to burn our lights. I said at the beginning this morning, some of you have lights in your home burned all day long. All day long. Some of you sleep with the lights on. That's weird, but it's okay. And you're doing that because it doesn't cost you much. It's not breaking the bank for you to do that. We think so little of the cost of, that we have so many lights to turn on and, and easy to do. This would not be the world that Jesus was speaking into, where the fuel to light your home was a valuable resources, where lamps would be burned at night, but they would be extinguished when you no longer needed them. You carried them from room to room wherever you needed light, and when you went to sleep, you extinguished the flame. Those lamps were used at night to push back against the darkness. They were taken to the dark places. They were put in dark rooms where light was needed. In the world of Jesus, you would light a lamp when it was dark at night, not when it was bright in the day. Now, here's the principle. Those who have the light of Christ have an obligation to shine in dark places. Do you know where light is needed? It's not at noontime. It's at midnight. Do you know where the light is needed? It's not where all the other lights are congregating. It's in that dark corner where there is none. There's an obligation of a lamp to go into the dark places to illuminate what is shadowed in the darkness. Dear friends, every day we live and work in a community that lives in the darkness of sin. Some of your coworkers, your neighbors, your golfing buddies, folks in your hunting club, your bridge partners, your classmates, your teammates, your family. Some of them are moving through life, walking through darkness, completely lost. And I believe you are obligated to shine into that darkness. Those of you who would walk the hallways of the schools have a unique opportunity to shine the light of Christ into the darkness. Those of you who work in, in, in context that puts you in the, in the public, you have a unique opportunity to shine light into darkness. In the classroom, on the ball fields, in the band room, in the cafeteria, on the bus, in the hallways, in the teacher's workroom, in the board offices, and the behind the counter, and wherever you might find yourself. Now, I know, I know it is tempting to remain where there is no need for light. It's easier there. It's nicer there. And listen, dear friends, since the foundation, since the beginning of the church, there has been always a temptation to retreat from the darkness of the world, to put up walls around us to sequester ourselves from the darkness of the world and congregate ourselves But where we're called to be is where darkness is. To take our light into the darkness. Those who have the light of Christ must go. I believe we are obligated to go into the darkness to shine the light of Christ where it is needed. I've shared this story with you before. When I was, I think I was in college, high school, somewhere in there, A buddy of mine decided we'd walk up and hike the Pine Mountain Trail just north of Columbus. This is a couple of miles in, and we were gonna camp and spend the night, and then we were gonna hike back out the next morning. We had timed our hike pretty well. We'd we'd gotten to where we had planned to camp but not too long before sundown. Uh, We'd made camp, and and by the time the sun was down, our, our tents were up, and we had our fire going. We were cooking our dinner. And about that time, and this is a little unsettling. It was a dark night, one of those nights where there wasn't much moon, and so you really could only see just as far as the campfire pushed back the darkness. Out of that darkness emerged a figure, a man. That's a little weird, a little unsettling. And he walks into our campsite and he explains to us. He says, "I, I walked in with some friends, but I had not planned to spend the night." He says, "So I." I've been trying to hike myself out, but he said I didn't plan it well, didn't time it well, and night fell before I could get out. And he said, "I've actually passed your campsite two or three times, and I, I realized I'm lost every time I, I came by." He said, "Do you know which way the, the trail is to get out?" Well, if you're familiar with hiking, usually trails are marked with colored um, um, tags on the on the trees, and, and, and I think this particular trail was the blue tag, and like it's it's just right there. He said, "Okay, great," and off he goes well it wasn't long after he left i thought i'm not so sure how he's going to make this because all trees in the dark look the same amen no matter if you've got a red tag on and a blue tag a purple tag you can't tell the difference in the dark and those those trails would would divert at different places and i thought man he's walking through the woods in the middle of the night well we went back to our dinner and um i don't know how long it was maybe 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes but at some point out of the darkness this guy emerges again now this time i'm getting a little nervous and he says listen i I tried to follow the trail but i'm lost so i don't think i even went that far he said do do one of you guys have a flashlight that i can borrow i did now flashlights are flashlights right they're a piece of plastic maybe a piece of metal got some batteries in it and back in those days a, a real life light bulb and um when the flashlight is turned off at that point in its light in that point in the, in the day It was worthless, right without batteries. It was worthless without a light bulb It was worthless. It's just a piece of plastic in my in my backpack But once you switched it on and power went to that light bulb and that began to emit light it it became purposeful It exposed what was it showed the the markings on the tree It it showed the way of the trail and so I, I gave my flashlight to him. I fully expected never to see it again. Gave my flashlight to him and and uh, said, man, this should help you get to where you're going. And, and I really hoped he wouldn't come back because if he came back after that, I was going to be really upset. We didn't see him anymore for the rest of the night. We get up the next morning, we we, we break camp and we hike back out and uh, and we get back to where we, we had parked, where supposedly this guy had also parked. Um, I found my flashlight laying up on the hood of my car with a brand new pack of Batteries there, and a note, and the note simply said, "Thanks for the light. I would not have made it without it." Those are some true words. Amen. Now, as long as that flashlight sat in my backpack, it didn't have any purpose at all. It could have talked about light. It could have discussed light, maybe, but it had no purpose. But once it turned it, once we turned it on, it was transformed in its nature. By definition, it shined its light it exposed what was where the path was and where it was not It was obligated to to shine its light and to lead the way Dear friends until Jesus comes back you and I are going to live in a dark world Until Jesus comes back, we're going to live in the context of the darkness of sin. It is all around us. And until Jesus comes back, we are called to be shiners of light. Like that old humble oil lamp. When lit, transformed in its nature and in its obligation to be a light producer. To expose the truth. To shine its light into darkness.